This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to the Reversing Climate Change podcast by the team at Nori, the carbon removal marketplace. This is a show about the innovators and entrepreneurs developing solutions to climate change. I'm up for Zoom calls and that's what really matters. <laughs> Zoom calls, what really matters. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I liked it. Out of nowhere, you just came out and nailed that Nathan for you template I put out, which was like, Asa, out of nowhere, just drops <laughs> this in. I was like, oh, this is perfection. Uh, here, I'll read it out for you if you haven't seen it yet. Link is in the show notes. Okay, the plan. We build a DAC plant that looks like a tree. So the CO2 comes in thinking it can re-enter the atmosphere in 60 years. Okay, so it's just like, I feel like... Just like Pretty golden first, from the depths of COVID sickness. <laughs> from the depths of COVID sickness. What I love about this joke in the same way that the deep time stuff makes me laugh is I love ascribing agency to molecules. I find there's something really funny about CO2 having a preference. Is that what's funny about it? I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Anytime we anthropomorphize CO2, I'm I'm sold. Because we also had another one of uh, the CO2 resting comfortably once it's mineralized, which is Tony Soprano laying in the kid's bed resting happily. So does CO2 want to be mineralized or not? <laughs> and how do you know which it is? Is it both simultaneously? <laughs> does it matter? I think it's whatever serves the joke. Whatever serves the joke. Yeah. Have your cake needed to. Do you agree with that, Asa? <laughs> it's definitely like a good place I like to go back to just referring to just that i don't know why but it's just funny to think of like co2 like really wanting to be in the atmosphere and like causing warming and like getting removed and stored permanently is like what it doesn't want which i guess like makes sense because it's like really hard to remove and store co2 so it Uh, feels like you could imagine it having that like agency and preference but it's funny to think of like carbon removal being about like tricking co2 like it wants to it's like i'll go into a tree so that i can you know it's okay because i'll be back in the atmosphere in a few decades but like i don't want to be mineralized so i don't know that's that's i guess how i thought of it and like that there's sort of a there's sort of a nathan for you like twist on that of just like something like some trickery some like fakery but also like some it's very absurd yeah we did that one another time. I think we should keep hammering on this theme because it's clearly funny of uh, Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore of the CO2 molecules saying, I guess I'll just live out my half-life in the atmosphere. And then it just says leaf colon and then doing like the shooter. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think uh, this might become a running theme of the agency of molecules and what they do or do not want. We'll have to stick that in there with the ice ages and um, all these other running gags that we have. Yeah, I like that we're developing threads. You know, we have these these reoccurring humorous themes, so it's fun to get to that point. I think so for sure. Also, Nathan, for you, I've been well. I'm gonna wait till you both see it, and I want to talk about the rehearsal on the show because I've just we're four episodes in right now as of recording, and it's uh, like next level genius. And I love Nathan Fielder, and Nathan for you is so funny. Have you you guys have both seen that or no? Nope. 
All right, we have to educate Siobhan, Asa. <laughs> I haven't seen all of Nathan for you, but I've seen some good ones. And I'm excited to see the rehearsal on your inspiration. Yeah, there's so many shows like that that are amazing, but uh, have not been memed, or there's not an easily retrievable format that is legible to someone who hasn't seen the show, or even if they have seen the show, it's like, why? Why this image? And I don't know that I saw any in the rehearsal yet. I should probably just look if there's memes of it yet. Are you to that place though where you're watching whatever you know content you're consuming, you're constantly thinking like, oh, that would be a funny meme? Because I feel like I cannot watch Disney without just seeing like a screen after screen of meme potential. So were you watching Emperor's New Groove? Is that what Hell, hell yeah, I was. Well, my kids are watching it. I popped in and that's where that meme came from. Absolutely. We were, I watched it recently too, mostly because we were trying to have a family movie experience. And I was like, what would annoy me the least? And I was like, which which of these childhood movies do I want to watch? Because <laughs> it's, it's dad's call. I feel like Disney is aiming for parents these days. Like Disney Pixar, they try to make it somewhat enjoyable for adults as well. Because a lot of those jokes that I feel like the Disney puts out there are clearly not targeted for kids. Oh, you know? No, I mean, the, the genie in Aladdin is doing Peter Lorre impressions and Groucho Marx. And like kids, kids are like, oh my God, it's the funny eyebrows and mustache guy. I've seen that like in in Halloween shops, but uh, I feel like they've known for a long time. You got to don't want the parents to walk out or hate it. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Were you binging a lot of child? Well, how, well I don't know. Did you watch a lot of TV? The kid probably not yet. huh? Asa. You know, we've made an effort to not, you know, she's still kind of a little too young on the plane. We had a few moments where you're like, Let's like pull out the phone and see if this distracts her while she was kind of going crazy. Kind of didn't even really work though. I almost feel like she's too young to like really enge- like get what yeah. it is she's supposed to be doing. And then when she was, yeah, so so we we tried and and kind of failed. But sometimes looking at pictures on like pictures of of like of the family on the phone really like I guess that that's simple enough that it kind of grabs her. But we haven't. We haven't ventured into cinema yet. I don't quite know where to start, but this is helpful to start thinking about it. It's a, it's a slippery slope. I think I started yeah. screen time with my eldest when I was pregnant with my younger child because I was so nauseous that I would just lie on the floor and put on Elmo on YouTube. <laughs> and so to this day, the sound of like Elmo singing makes me feel nauseous because I have like this. Wow this yeah uh, pavlovian reaction to mm. this that makes me nauseous but oh, um, well you should have and then what ace is doing which is start with cinema so choose your favorite fellini film and then <laughs> you just say movie like there. a regular person asa cinema <laughs> are you just thinking about kristen cinema is that what is that what happened i am i am okay. just thinking about my favorite politicians and she just comes just top of mind I, I met her once at because I'm from Arizona and I was oh, right. sort of workshop thing and I remember having like a little bit of a back and forth with her when she was I think in the state house or something. Oh, interesting. Tell us, tell us more. Were you were you hammering a climate agenda or what was the conversation about? I remember saying something extremely libertarian to her and she was just like, "What the hell?" And, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> probably even anarchistic. And I remember saying something like that to her and. That's all. But then flash forward 10 years down the line, I'm like, oh, everyone knows this person. Now she's a big deal wearing outfits and pissing everyone off. 
So yeah, yeah. at least she voted for the for the IRA, right? Yeah. yeah. So got that. It sounds like she has like a long history of like befriending and working with like people on the far right of the of the bodies that she's working in, which is kind of interesting. Right? I don't really understand it. I mean, you know, not against it, but I feel like she's kind of this enigma and like draws the ire of people. But I don't, I don't know. I feel like there's stuff going, like I just don't really get her whole mo. Making sure there was no tax on like, you know, millionaires making money from private equity at the last minute, and like economists were like, "There's absolutely no policy reason to do this." That was a little cynical. I don't know, but she's definitely an interesting one. Yeah, I think people just probably want to hold her to a higher standard because she's but the first openly bisexual mm. member of Congress. I think at first, whatever. She's quite prominent. She has a spunky style and is also, you know, Democratic senator from Arizona, which is it's kind of an unusual sentence to even say. <laughs> so you would think, but um, yeah, whatever. I don't know that I have a lot of like great policy or political analysis of this, except for being meeting celebrities is always a pretty banal story. I, yeah. Uh, one time, th- one time, okay, I've had a number of, because I used to live in LA. So there's a lot of celebrity stories but they're always bad they're never good stories like one okay. time I got, a, I got a breakfast burrito in, in malibu and i was behind pamela anderson in line is that the end of the story, story. yeah <laughs> <laughs> i got a breakfast burrito near a celebrity a television star a former sex symbol you know extremely famous person that's it the want ending there <laughs> <laughs> yeah Although one time I also in Malibu, one of my wife's friends is visiting from out of town and she's never seen anyone. And Adam Sandler came in to the restaurant. I was like, this never happened. This is like a list, like an amazing <laughs> sighting. This is rare. Normally it's like you see a C or D lister who was like, he was like a, a small character on Lost and then went on Big Brother. And that's the guy that you see. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Ace and I both went to college in LA County and I spent some time in like Santa Monica and stuff. We go to the farmer's market on the weekends. It's like the Santa Monica farmer's market. I've seen more celebrities than anywhere else. That's probably a great place to to spot them. Any, are there any stories equal to or better than mine? Or are they all like, I saw Paul Rudd and his skin looked great. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think there's anything worth, worth storifying. Storifying that I spooked you. Did you, I feel like you probably had a story that I now shamed you out of. (laughs) No, I truly don't. Hey, so you're just above all of this. You just you only. No, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if I've had any interactions. I I briefly met Colin Farrell. He was very friendly, and afterwards, I was like, "Oh, I should have like talked to him," because it was a situation where we were both kind of standing in line, so I could have like. But I I don't know. I felt shy, and then I also was in an elevator with Melissa McCarthy. That's a good one. That was a good one. That was a good one. And I'm trying. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I have. Any other, there wasn't no real interactions. I want to meet like a climate celebrity, you know, that's somebody I feel right. like I'd be excited. Like, I don't know, Robert Downey Jr. or somebody. And I could be like, let's no. talk about carbon removal, Robert. Okay. That wait, did you say he's a climate celebrity? Wait, is, you mean like a celebrity who now is an actor? Who's like in, that's yeah, who's every, like an actor. Every celebrity, by the way, but yeah. <laughs> no, but there's some that are more weighty than others. You know, I'd say, I'd say Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert Downey Jr. are, are weighted above others. Who just are like, let's recycle, you know, which we should. And I value them <laughs> saying that, but you know, there's a spectrum here. Who, who is there a, a sort of climate celebrity? I guess the only person I could think of that comes from that world is, is Greta Thunberg. 
Was there anyone? Yeah, who are like superstar level? Al Gore. Al Gore. Al Gore. But he, I feel like he was a politician. He was already true. famous. And he, yeah, right. but when you think of Al Gore, do you think of him as a vice president or do you think of an inconvenient truth? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? A 30 Rock cameo. That's what I think of. <laughs> Green Zone episode. As it is. <laughs> He's like, hmm, I have to go. I hear a whale crying or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's, you know, like carbon removal celebrities, but they wouldn't necessarily, I don't know if, I don't know if the industry is large enough to merit the term celebrity for anybody who's well-known or, you know, any prolific authors within the carbon removal sector. But, you know, I would be excited to see any of those people in real life, too. Yeah, I feel like carbon removal is still so bush league that if you saw someone and fanned over them, they'd be like, I tweet and I do research. <laughs> and I have a company that is only has a couple million dollars, <laughs> like many other companies. And I'm working. I feel like, yeah, if you fanned out over them, fanned over them, they might think you're blowing smoke or something. Mm -hmm. Too fast. I don't know. I think you two are about six months from being carbon removal celebrities. Huh. Uh, from, from this? Why, why not? Why don't you include yourself? In just that? from, no, just from your general, you know, personas and <laughs> being out there, being out in the, in the world. I don't really like being out in the world. I think if I, <laughs> I don't, tweet, I like, I so like true. having this like separation. I like to engage and, and play and do things, but I find too much attention in that way makes me feel pretty uncomfortable. Mm. Um, <laughs> makes sense. I would say though that you're you're certainly a household name within the industry. I remember when you posted the first time I met you, Ross, was because you posted on Air Miners, and we're like, "Hey, I don't know if this is like smart or stupid, or if I regret this, but here's my Calendly link. Like, <laughs> who wants to talk to me?" And I was like, "Well, shit, I want to talk to Ross." What? And, and that's how we met. And see clearly, this this is evidence of your celebrity status or you know mediocre celebrity status than carbon removal because i remember <laughs> meeting you and you don't remember meeting me <laughs> that's pretty big time <laughs> almost because it's, it's felt it's been so long at this point i guess that what, what even was that like a year ago a year and a half i think it was in like 2020 maybe <laughs> maybe it was that far back but uh, i feel like we've been been in, in touch for so long at this point that i sort of it all there's just a continuum of this that's cool. I'm glad that worked. At, at the end of that, I was pretty tired. I, I, nowadays, getting me to take a general meeting um, on a lark with someone, I'm like, I would maybe, I don't want to be rude, but also I'm very tired. So it's because you're a dad now. I think that has <laughs> a limp in there. Yeah, you, you certainly, I guess we're all parents here. You have to be much more selective once you're a parent. Those having six hours of alone time at the end of every day is no longer a, a thing available to you. So you got to make that 45 minutes count. And I don't want it to be on a general meeting that goes nowhere. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good point. For better or for worse. I mean, yeah, I guess we, we met out of that. I think I've met a bunch of people out of that. But I guess now it's the same thing where it all blurs together for me. Yeah, COVID in the last couple of years, but it's yeah, a fun I'm, part of this, I'm part of this group called Founder Summit, and they do random pairings for like general meetings. And I'd say you know a high percentage are, are like a value add, but then they yeah they just start to blend together, and it's you know it's cool to meet with other founders. It's cool to get you know advice and help on where I'm at or where they're at. But yeah, there's only so many you can really take before I feel like I'm just I'm groundhog daying it a little bit, you know. I think finding ways to introduce some entropy into life or some some chance of random good things happening is valuable. I think the downside of it is 
pretty small. You wasted half an hour, a couple half hours. The upside is you meet a founder, a future spouse, someone that you do business with. Like, uh, so like I, my default is to say yes to meeting people, even if it isn't immediately instrumentally valuable, but there's been, definitely been times where I'm like, wow, my, that day was poorly spent. But then of course you meet other people sometimes you're like, oh my God, we're buds. And this is good, great now. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to like to meet people. DM me if you want to get on a call. I'm available. Wow. But not but not after my kids get back from school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 14 minute window that you can talk to Siobhan given <laughs> day. Enjoy. Well, Asa, I guess we met you just through memeing. We've talked about this mm. one before. Your your meme skills precede you. Although I wouldn't be surprised if I also took you up on that open invite. I'm sure that I'm sure we talked that way at one point too, Ross. But yeah, I mean the meme channel and air miners was instrumental in me meeting a lot of people who I still talk to about carbon removal. It's great. I have to say, I like still kind of feel like that assumption you're talking about, Ross, like I'm still kind of calibrating that because a lot of times for the carbon removal newsroom, when I'm reaching out to people like to be on the show, I guess I'm like still always surprised that people say yes. And I don't, I think I shouldn't be like on paper or objectively based on like the guests we have and the quality of the show. And the reach of the show, like it makes sense that people would want to be on it, but I'm always like pleased when there's someone who I, you know, speaking of like, you know, being a fan and be like geeking out on people, there's someone who I might be like read their stuff and I'm like, oh, wow, they're so smart and this would be cool. <laughs> and then I'm like, but they wouldn't want to be on our show. And then you like, you know, like, they respond the same day and they're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'd love to. They're, like come on the show. It's like part of their job. It's no big deal. But yeah, so I'm still kind of like adjusting to what my confidence level should be when I just sort of open up to, random people like, do you want to be on the show? And how many people have said no? I mean, <laughs> a f- you know, a few people haven't responded. A f- fewer people have said no for various reasons, but most people have said yes. So I, I have to kind of get used to that. But then again, you know, the people are asking, we're in, we are in a, very, a pretty small niche field. Yeah, do you so, know what it's like to be an academic where like many of these mm-hmm. papers will get if getting a couple citations is considered success in some right. departments. And so like someone wanting to talk about your paper or your research, that's like a, that's a pretty nice offer to give some of these people, which they go to conferences and have to read a paper or something. That's it. You're right. To, to I, I don't point, know. It can feel very like I even had an, I had a professor in graduate school who was like, we our, our assignment was to pick, peer-reviewed journal author in our field, a professor in our field, and kind of do a report on them. And the professor who was assigning me said, hey, but I don't want this to sound like a fangirl report. <laughs> like oftentimes you grad school students get really excited by all the cool research being done by this individual. And you, you think that they're the celebrity and they're just like me or like <laughs> anybody who works at school. Like they're, you know, but I, I understand that sense of like, I read everything Dennis Baldoki has ever written on atmospheric carbon fluxes. Like for sure, I've read anything. Shout out to you, Dennis. And if I were to meet him, I don't know how I would react. I would be pretty excited. (laughs) (laughs) Can you be weirded out by it? Can you tell his disposition? Oh, definitely be weirded out by it. No, can I tell his disposition by his academic writing? Not necessarily, but I feel like the rational human would be weirded out by somebody being so excited about their research. (laughs) It's hard to give a compliment, frankly. I remember I had um, the last, well, the first thing that comes to mind is having Elizabeth Colbert on. You guys ever read her, New Yorker author? Yeah. She's definitely, yeah. 
the lines I ended up saying in the show when she was on, and what I've always said about her is that she's one of those writers you read who makes it look easy. Mm-hmm. She's such a, I always say graceful is the first thing I think of with her. I'm just like, wow, this makes me want to write, even though I know you like decades of experience and like such gifted prose writing. <laughs> but um, that's how you know it's a good writer. Well, one of the ways. And I remember even like trying to offer that compliment. She's like, oh, thank you. And she, she took it kind of graciously, but there's something that's really kind of obnoxious or expecting of someone by offering them such effusive praise. Even if it's sincere, it's hard to deliver that feedback in a way where they, they can do anything with it or metabolize it in some productive or <laughs> helpful, yeah. or thankful way. Even I don't know. I've not figured it out. That's one example. Have there been others where you felt like you really were kind of gushing over the guest or were excited about the guest and didn't know how to kind of deliver the compliment or contain it well? Is there other examples of that? I try to you know, I'll bring it back to our uh, core humor loving center here is I try never to ask questions like, did you ever see the Chris Farley sketches on SNL where he'd have uh, like Paul McCartney's the famous one where he's like, did you remember that time you were in the Beatles? Paul McCartney would be like, yes, I sure do. Like, wow, that was, that was awesome. It's awesome <laughs> when you're in the Beatles. <laughs> you like, like, never want to answer. Like, I will, I've had guests sometimes before that say things like, was there a question in there? And that that's like the most deflating <laughs> report possible. So like, you never ever want a guest. I've had, who did I have say that to me? It was someone who was who is prominent or semi-prominent, such such where I felt the rapier like right to the heart. <laughs> it's like, oof, that feels terrible. So, anyways, I try not to leave these like massive compliments. I always try to make sure there's tagged on the end some sort of actionable response that isn't like, thank you, I appreciate it. Which is hard to even deliver in response. Who was that? Oh, I think it was Mark Bittman. I think actually I left it in the show too. I was saying <laughs> about Mark Bittman. And I was like, wow. You left it in the show. That's confident. I like it. It was funny <laughs> enough. To, you know, like you always have the judge. Is it like more funny than embarrassing? I write then print the funny as we've been as we've been saying, <laughs> Siobhan. But still wounding. <laughs> have you ever been wounded by a celebrity, <laughs> semi-prominent <laughs> recipe author? <laughs> Uh, I, I will say now that no one will care but i i now i feel just to just to be on the up and up i have to say that i said no one that people rarely turn us down but now that you mention it there is like this the one category of people that we do have more trouble is academics because there's more of this like i mean in my personal experience compared to the policy or the business categories of guests there's more of like sense of like conflict of interest or sort of like people maybe not wanting to, you know, I feel like in academia, there's more of this ethos of like, you know, I've proven this, so I can say that with certainty, but it's harder to generalize. And it's like, Mm -hmm. that takes a certain approach to like, get into media and be interesting. And obviously, a lot of people do it, do it well. But I don't know, I just, since I said that, I'm like, well, we have had some trouble with some, there's certain like, science folks they want to have on, and they're kind of like, not as interested. So anyway, just just to be be on the level. eh? I've been turned down. That way. Clean, I have to come clean with the listeners. Yeah, no, I think that's the most common. Well, first most common. I feel like I've had a hard time this season of reversing climate change. Of I've I've had a number of guests where they were reaches and they were people of note that go on book tours or you know people listen to them when they speak. They weren't just random academics where they're it's like easier, more accessible. 
And then you're competing because they're like, oh, well, what's your reach like? And, and who is it? And geographically, where is it located? And I'm just like, I got to phrase this in the right way. This number high enough for you. But I always try to compensate and be like, look, I will read every book this person has ever written. And I will ask questions no one else will ask. And it's the only thing that I'm good at. So you better send this person on the show because the numbers don't really speak for it purely, even though the, num- the numbers itself, I think, are you know, pretty reasonably good for podcasting. Was, it, was there a question in there somewhere, Ross? Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh. Right here. Oh. God. God, Siobhan, too witty for your own good today. I, I hate you. People do say no for for reasons of, uh, like I had I had someone like a very a very renowned Michelin star chef that you know her work is exceptional. Been on chef's table. Would love to have her. Wrote a great book. And I got all the way to her personal agent. The publicist signed off on it. And then he never, he ghosted me after I told him the numbers. I'm like, so you only have to do something if like every show gets like 500,000 downloads or something be worth her time. But anyways, like the second most common reason someone says no is oftentimes because they feel like they're in a place of decision-making or taste-making within carbon removal. And that even being on the show itself is maybe uh, legitimizing certain positions of nori which I wish they didn't feel that way because they could come on and say Nori sucks and here's all the reasons why. And if they were good enough to be on the show, I would still have them on to do that, uh, assuming it would make for good radio. But uh, I think that like conflict of interest kind of vibe, I think that is pretty common. I think it's because Nori is a private company. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sense that. Is that your take too? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it, it's hard. I think once you're at the point of trying to convince someone or explain like, well, you can say whatever you want, we're totally game for that. If you're already at that point, I think there's probably already like less of a comfort level and people are maybe kind of less interested, you know, and it's, it's hard, it's hard to come back once there's that initial hesitation. I mean, there's some who I've, you know, had a bit more of a dialogue with and then they've decided to come on. Like, I'll give a lot of credit to David Ho, speaking of carbon removal tastemakers from, from the internet, he's got a pretty good reach, but he's someone who's very skeptical. Well, I don't, I don't want to characterize him, but I, I think he's, express skepticism of certain carbon removal methods and maybe the motivation of certain forces within carbon removal that are that are maybe not as interested in decarbonization or I, I don't want to I don't want to characterize it but you know he's, he's his opinions are pretty well out there but let's just say he has he's had strong skeptical opinions within carbon removal and I think was maybe like not as sure but like he came on and gave opinions that I think were at some points challenging either to Nori or maybe some of the things like some of the questions that I had posed and he very much like entered into the sort of um, the spirit of it, not being like coming on being like, this means I agree with everything. Being like, I probably don't. And like, here's why. And, you know, he was pretty like direct about some of the stuff, but I thought it was like a really good show. And yeah. well, good I show. like that show. Nuance is really important within climate tech in general, mm-hmm. carbon removal specific. Like nuance is critical. So yeah, bring on the nuance, bring on the educated differing opinions. I agree. And for me, like my goal is to make the show as interesting and engaging and educational as possible. And I think that when someone's willing to come on with that spirit, they've taken it pretty far along towards like it being a good episode. You know, someone smart and interested in the subject, if they're willing to like kind of lean into that, it makes my role like actually really easy. So I kind of appreciate when someone's like, yeah, let's get into it. Let's, you know, I'm not, it's, I feel comfortable to say what I, you know, maybe have some different opinions than people on the show or 
than Nori or whatever, which is like, does not enter my mind. I'm not, I'm not going into the show being like, well, Nori's position is this. So people, I, the guests need to say that. And, and I understand why people don't know that right away. Cause they have no idea like how our production works and like, they're right to us. They're fair to assume, but I just want to, I always feel like I want to explain that to people. I'm like, I'm really not thinking about that. And I don't expect you to think about that. And there's no like pressure from above to be like, these are the carbon removal points of view that we support on carbon removal news. No, not at all. That is not how, that's not how it goes down. So it would be so boring to also, I get worried if everyone in the room all agrees on everything. I start feeling like I need to throw out something provocative or, we're all just going to like pat each other on the back about how right we are. And that for the purpose of truth seeking bad, but for the purpose of listenable radio, uh, double bad, probably like be on a show where everyone's like, I agree. And, uh, I, sometimes I want like a little more spice almost in carbon removal. Like what happened? I mean, I agree with this point, but should I disagree? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what, what do I say about that? Asa, you're supposed to be the meta one. You can't let Siobhan steal this from you. Steal I it back. I, I can't compete with Siobhan on that. <laughs> She's bringing it. I do, think, I do think Ross naturally takes the counterpoint, which I like about you, Ross. You mm-hmm. can just say thank you to that compliment. Thank you. It, it can be obnoxious at points too, though. And it depends if I've broken fast or not that day, just how annoying I am about it. But I try to be pretty neutral or... Uh, you know, scout out exactly where the, the fault lines are on things. I think I think that's more fun than being a little bit too polite or too. Yeah, but sometimes, like I think you, you even do it in like the meme lab, and I'm not even sure you agree with your own perspective. But you're like, hey, somebody needs to <laughs> to disagree with the general direction here. But like sometimes it creates funny new dynamic content. You know, so it works. I gotta always thank someone to like Christie's very good at pushing back on certain things and especially the captions that go out that aren't actually in the meme, but are the like associated text in Twitter, like the tweet itself. And I'll oftentimes want to make some like comedy nerd in joke and she'll be like, something super, super niche and obscure. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like the, the five people who like carbon removal and Tim and Eric are going to love this caption. And she's <laughs> like, Oh, this doesn't work. What about something like this? So like even today, like she came up with the Nathan for CO2, caption which was brilliant <laughs> i'm like thank you for sticking your neck out i always try to thank people for sticking their neck out like that too because otherwise if you just like took my word for it i feel like it would be much weaker yeah good job christy shout out to christy agreed yeah christy's getting more and more comfortable some might say too comfortable standing up to <laughs> 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 voice <laughs> we'll have a private chat about that later christy if you're listening <laughs> when we were talking about hosts for crn at one point because, you know, we had, we had Holly Buck on as regular guest or regular host. And hopefully one day she'll return. I'm not going to say she's gone. I so hope so. I miss Holly. I haven't heard from her in a long time either. I'm not even really over it. But she did have to leave for another position. But she was like so perfect for our show. And she's, you know, I would say certainly like on the left politically, but has very idiosyncratic and like nuanced views and often takes like a position you might not expect or at least brings in information you might not expect. And so I thought she was really good for kind of like a left-right kind of counterpoint with Chris Barnard. Not that that's how it always, it's not just, we hopefully we, not. We agreed a lot too. Sometimes it was like, so like idiosyncratic that I'm like, oh, you guys ended up in a similar place. Dang it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to pigeonhole either of them, but I'm just saying that's kind of the general thing. But, but that being said, when she had to go, we were trying to think of other people. And Ross, I remember you being like, you know, we don't just necessarily want like a run of the mill, like climate progressive because that point of view is like really well represented and can be boring or 
not the point of view, but it, it can be boring that, I don't know. I, I, I think there's a certain point of view within like climate that is really well represented. And that is <laughs> your way of putting it. I mean, and so, yeah, I just, I thought that was like a good challenge to be like, let's not overrepresent something that's like pretty well represented out there. And maybe that goes to the sort of not wanting it to be too, too agreeable and too kind of we're all on the same page. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just think, I just thought that was a good directive. And yeah, I wanted to be productive disagreement too. I wouldn't want to just find someone incendiary and bombastic just because it would be spicy. That's sort of like the Fox news approach, you know, no kidding. (laughs) Who's going to, who's going to yell the loudest, but yeah, well, thanks for saying that. I thought that was Mm -hmm. a good way to go. I think there's, one of the ways I think about it is that we're trying to grow carbon removal overall. And a lot of the sort of progressive, like kind of straightforward progressive climate voices are pretty well established. And I don't think that's like a growth area. So how do you bring people in that might not, like what's the additionality of one more progressive climate podcast? You're like, probably not that high. They're, they're there already. How do you do stuff with like Chris or you get Holly's idiosyncratic Marxism still like in like that combination it doesn't exist anywhere. It's only here. We're the only people with that weird thing. So yeah. that's how I think about communications products in general. How do you make something new or worth listening to? Like would we have done memes if there was already a really well-established meme culture? I probably would have just skipped it and been like, well, let's just go right to TikTok. Let's go to some other platform where it doesn't exist yet. And yeah. carbon removal VR. Carbon removal VR. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it's going to happen one day and we're going to be doing it. We actually had an idea recently. Well, Paul's wanted to do this for a long time. We didn't we ever introduce ourselves. So I don't know how we're, I'm going to do this. Maybe I'll just ignore it. But, anyways, Ross Canyon here from Nori. God, it's way too late for that. But uh, CEO and co founder of Nori, Paul Gamble, has long wanted to do a satirical newspaper. Um, something like the onion, clickhole, patriot hole, Babylon B, reductress, any of those rags, and uh, do it for climate and carbon removal. I've been thinking about how to do it. And um, one of our marketing people, Heidi, was like, I only ever read the headline really for reductress and then see the image. I was like, why don't we just do memes like that? What we don't have to write an article, which by the way, writing anything is extremely onerous and annoying for the most part. I feel like that's a fair point because I feel like when I read The Onion, I never click on it. I just read the headlines. Some of them are worth clicking on, but mostly not. Mostly the headline is 90 something percent of the joke. The one exception is I saw one that was click called that was um, it was called like Little Leisure Lords. How to get your leisure loving son out of the sauna. <laughs> it's like a slideshow. <laughs> Also, the the phrase "little leisure lord" is the perfect perfect alliteration. So funny! So that's one of the only ones I had to read through the entirety of it. But I love Clickhole. That's probably my favorite website. Clickhole. Oh yeah, <laughs> my favorite. Just as an aside, I think my my favorite one that I always think of, and it still makes me giggle, is just let's rank the religions. <laughs> It just that sounds like someone just pitched it in a meeting and probably said it exactly like that. <laughs> it's just so absurd. I think we should do that. I think we should come up with like a like a carbon like we could just put it on the CO two memes account, but have like a masthead of like some I don't know what the title the name would be, and then that could just be like one of the formats we do. Paul wants to call it the warm up, which is <laughs> <There you go. laughs> his preference. The, the the thing that 
that is different but about those from our account is that they often are like very snarky and like usually there's like a very specific butt of the joke. So I wonder like who exactly we'd be making fun of because I know we, we try to like avoid some of that like tribalism and sort of like fighting against different groups and stuff. So we might have to think about how that would work. Can always make fun of ourselves. That's very true. <laughs> I wrote one for, uh, I got ghosted by Seattle has a satirical newspaper. It's called like the, the needling or something like that. What is it called? I haven't seen it in a while, but I wrote one. My, my apartment used to overlook the fishery Harbor. And so in, in Nori's early days, when I wasn't sure if we were going to get funding or how it was going to work, I would look at the window and be like, if we ever failed. I could just go out there and get a job as a fisherman. <laughs> I, I wrote an article about like a startup failing and, and uh, like this guy trying to become a fisherman and how he was received by the fishermen already down there. Uh, I thought poorly, was, poorly is the end of that story, right? <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah, very poor. I'm not cut out for a life on the on the fisheries. <laughs> Um, it never responded to me though. And I thought it was actually quite a funny piece, but anyways, I, I've wanted to do something like this for, for a while. We can also, I mean, Heidi's pitched a couple here. We can even pull them up real quick and we can start wrapping up or even cut this. If it turns out to, that the juice isn't worth the squeeze here, maybe you should come on and, and hang with us sometimes, Heidi. But she says, uh, so like the original reductress image was a woman and her dog. And it says, dogs are a reflection of their owners, says woman whose dog also doesn't know what a Roth IRA is. <laughs> <laughs> and so Heidi's pitch was the same beginning, but says woman whose dog also doesn't know the difference between carbon offsets and removal. Boom. Boom. So like, I feel like you could do that, keep the reductress font and tagging and the same image. And, uh, and now it's a meme. And then as a meme, I love this idea of, of recaptioning these or changing them to their app because it does most of the work for you. The like Mad Libs form of the joke is presented and you fill in carbon removal. Is this a good idea? I, I can't tell. I think I think let's drive you. Yeah. She had another one that was pretty funny, which was um, it was just an image of like a New York subway. The original caption was good for her train being held momentarily. And then. <laughs> And then it said, good for her. After being traded five times, carbon credit finally retired. <laughs> Heidi just started too. You know? Yeah. I like the brutality of that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've got, we've got some good pitches from people lately. Uh, how would we do this though? Would we, would you actually like, like wipe the text and rewrite it? Or would you do that thing where you kind of like black over the text and then make it clear that we're, you know, adding on to an existing image. I think redo it from scratch. <laughs> but do you still keep the reductress tag or no? Yeah, yeah, and the image, but like the text. Because I think sometimes it's funny to just like paste over. But I think with this format, it's already creating the joke. I don't know. I think we'd make it with their own like kind of font. We make it. Yeah. Is this too meta, Asa? If you're read a satirical newspaper that's making fun of reality, and then you're using that to make a second tier joke, this is like the Nathan for you rehearsal, <laughs> synecdoche, New York, nested realities, and like life is but a stage kind of thing. I certainly think it's worth a try. I don't think the stakes are too high. I think we have a loyal following on social media for our memes, and they'll go with us to this new place. It keeps growing, and it, it's growing. I've been trying to like conceptualize how important or relevant this kind of is. And did you ever hear 
I was doing research on who, who said this. I think it was Brian Eno saying this about the Velvet Underground. It's like they only sold 10,000 records, but everyone who bought one went and started a band. Yeah, I've heard that one. That's like what carbon removal memes feel like to me. Where like I look at the people following it, and like every single one of these people is like working on policy or uh, has a company or will start a company. I'm just like, yes. Yeah. Love it. You're the Lou Reed of carbon removal, Ross. I don't know that I want that. Opinion, <laughs> but not I didn't really think that through. So if there's some reason why that's offensive or inappropriate, please ignore it. <laughs> I meant it in a complimentary way. We know Ross doesn't receive compliments well. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this seems like a natural place to start even wrapping it. I feel like if we wanted to, we could have wrapped it a little bit ago. But anything else? Any last last thoughts? I think that's good. I think we need to kind of fiddle around and find out if like these kind of shows are better in like a half hour Mm. versus the longer format. I don't know. Yeah. I guess we'll see. You'll you'll only ever know if it's good or bad, if it is really good or really bad. And most of the middle you'll never hear about. So that's why people will be like, it was fine. Or they'll think you're terrible or they'll think it's amazing. So this is a bonus episode too. So they're trying to keep the cadence of the regular shows on Tuesday and then have something fun for Fridays. That's a little goofy. I think that's a good strategy probably. Yeah, I'm not sure. Still a work in progress. Okay, let's end it. Asa, Siobhan, thanks for, for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks, Ross. Yeah, I'm going to even let myself off the hook of doing a typical sign-off. And uh, you know what to do. Give us the five stars. Write something nice about us on one of those platforms. Tell a friend. I just did it. I just did a worse version of it. So anyway, <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs> bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you could please subscribe and give us a great rating and review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify, that'd be much appreciated. It helps us get our content out to more people. You can sign up for our newsletter at nori.com, follow us on social media, and we will catch you next time.